Welcome to Table Talk, Bang the Table's monthly podcast where we discuss the evolving world of community engagement. Each month we will discuss trends, best practices, and information to assist in running better community engagement programs. Hi everyone, this is Casey Earp from Bang the Table. Today we are speaking with Greg Bear, the Chief Resiliency Officer for the City of Boulder, about the community engagement efforts that went into creating one of the first municipal resiliency strategies in the U.S. Greg, welcome. Thanks, Casey. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, so let's start from the beginning, Greg. Uh, tell us a little bit more about your background. How did you become CRO for the City of Boulder and what it was that you were tasked with putting together over the last couple of years? Sure. Well, uh, it's a real pleasure to be here. Um, it is. It does require a little bit of explanation. The chief resilience officer position is kind of a new and novel one. It's part of. Uh, we're part of as, as the city of Boulder. We're part of the 100 Resilient Cities Network, and I've been in that position for about three years now. Um, my background is a little uh, different. I, I have a little bit, bit of a background in climate change adaptation, a little bit of work in da- disaster risk reduction. I've worked in uh, federal climate policy. I've done construction management. So it's a little bit all over the place. I'm, I'm an urban planner by training, but this is the first time I've been in local government. Tell us a little bit more about uh, what 100 Resilient Cities is and, and how uh, they brought you here to the city of Boulder. Yeah, so it's a great time to ask that question. We just finished our, our global summit, a convening of all 100 cities from across the globe. So it's, a, it's an initiative that was pioneered by the Rockefeller Foundation about a little over three years ago to invest in cities that were challenged by climate change and sort of the, the uh, complex issues around urbanization globally. And so Boulder was selected in the first wave of about 32 cities. And so we've really been at the forefront of planning in this, in this space. And um, as I mentioned earlier, the, the chief resilience officer position is really that catalytic investment on behalf of 100 resilient cities. It's a position that is uh, embedded in the leadership of the organization that is supposed to champion the development of a citywide systemic strategy for building community resilience. Um, Cities have undertaken that challenge in in many different ways. And in Boulder, we in fact started with this position in community planning, I guess it's uh, planning housing and sustainability now. And then over time learned that it was actually better suited in the city manager's office, which is where I'm housed right now. One of the things I know uh, that's always difficult is defining resiliency. Can you give me a 30-second definition, give the listeners a 30-second definition of, of resiliency in the context of uh, the city of Boulder? Well, I would certainly hope, hope I could after three years. But in fact, I, I spend a lot more time asking people what their definitions of resiliency are. And, and it is a kind of a complex, uh, slightly amorphous concept. And so it really helps to have people talk about what it means to them and how they internalize it. And then we talk about what that means at a community scale. But, you know, the 100 Resilient Cities Network somewhat conveniently has given us a a working definition so that it's consistent across all 100 cities. And that's just to sort of paraphrase it a little bit. You know, we take a view of resilience that includes uh, social, economic, and environmental shocks and stresses. So those disruptive disturbances such as flooding, but also endemic and chronic stresses such as poverty. Um, and and we, we develop these strategies to help cities and communities um, thrive in the face of adversity. Great. And thank you for uh, switching gears in the community engagement space. That's awesome. Uh, we are going to talk a little bit about how uh, bringing such disparate kind of issues uh, into one cohesive strategy uh, can be rather difficult and how you bring different voices to the table and just 
a few minutes, but I want to start with a question that we carved out for Table Talk specifically. Uh, we want to ask each of uh, the people that come on uh, the podcast exactly what community engagement means to them. And uh, again, backing up a little bit, we often talk about community engagement as a process and an outcome. And we recognize that that process and outcome can be widely uh, different depending on where you are in the organization. So from the perspective of, of a chief resiliency officer, what does community engagement look like? Yeah, I mean, it's a, that's a great question. And, you know, when I, like I, like I said, I'm still fairly new to local government. When I started out, you know, community engagement to me felt very much like the, the town hall type situation. You know, you uh, public meeting, you show up, you, you uh, shout or yell or chat, <laughs> however you have you look at it. But one of the things that, uh, we're trying to do with the resilience program across the network, but also in Boulder is really kind of rethink government, right? What's, what's some, where are some things that we can do better? And one of those areas is always around community engagement. And in fact, you know, the more I'm in this and the more we're in implementation and, and moving out of planning, it's less, uh, the turn of phrase for me is less around engagement and more about civic ownership and actually participatory democracy. Right, so getting people to really own the decisions that are being made by their elected representatives, getting them to uh, to the point, getting us to the point where it's a real flow of information back and forth, and that we're prioritizing our activities based on the community's needs that are explicitly expressed in different forum. And do you see other CROs around the world kind of embarking on the same path that you did in terms of getting different components of or different cross sections of their community involved in? each section of their strategy independently, trying to weave all those different uh, bits of feedback together to have one tangible kind of outcome? Yeah, I mean, it's a, that's a great question. And, you know, when I, like I, like I said, I'm still fairly new to local government. When I started out, you know, community engagement to me felt very much like the, the town hall type situation. You know, you uh, public meeting, you show up, you, you uh, shout or yell or chat, <laughs> however you have you look at it. But one of the things that uh, we're trying to do with the resilience program across the network, but also in Boulder, is really kind of rethink government, right? What's, what's some, where are some things that we can do better? And one of those areas is always around community engagement. And in fact, you know, the more I'm in this and the more we're in implementation and, and moving out of planning, it's less, uh, the turn of phrase for me is less around engagement and more about civic ownership and actually participatory democracy. Right, so getting people to really own the decisions that are being made by their elected representatives, getting them to uh, to the point, getting us to the point where it's a real flow of information back and forth, and that we're prioritizing our activities based on the community's needs that are explicitly expressed in different forum. But really, to make something um, that's actionable and meaningful to a broad range of residents and community members, you have to listen to what their priorities are. You have to understand their perceptions of resilience. What, where's the risk in this community um, versus that community? And, and uh, how do you then create really novel interventions to address changes um, in, in those sort of underlying systems? Yeah, and I think that's one of the most interesting aspects of like resiliency in general is that you're bringing together not only you know, scientific fields, uh, but you're also bringing a lot of socioeconomic uh, issues to the forefront of the conversation. And largely, you know, maybe maybe broadly speaking, not largely speaking, but broadly speaking, you know, each of these issues typically has a stakeholder group within the community that you're impacting uh, that really come out in mass for that particular issue. 
How did you uh, create a communication around resiliency as a more general theme? And how were you able to bring different uh, cross-sections of the community to the table to have a discussion um, to impact the resiliency strategy? Yeah, well, there's, there's really two answers to that question. One, I mean, somewhat embarrassingly, was it was very ad hoc, right? I was not given a lot of resources to implement this program or implement the planning. And so we just had to be really scrappy. Like, who's really interested in being at the table? And how do we follow the, the sort of threads, the people who come to me? And where does the light shine? And how, you know, how do we access uh, communities we know are underserved? And, you know, one of the things that's always really hard in these sort of things is how do you move away from the loudest voices and kind of dig into the people who have a stake but haven't the opportunity to, to articulate it. Um, so, you know, we, we, did, we tried a lot of different things, and it wasn't necessarily terribly, terribly consistent, but we leveraged a lot of uh, external partners on some specific issues. We ran some really targeted technical workshops. Um, we ran some online engagement challenges through uh, uh, some partner organizations. So we really were just all over the place. We worked with the university to run a deliberative democracy workshop, which was kind of new for them, new for the community. So the newness alone brings some people out, right? And there's the diversity brings different voices to the table. We did online surveys, a whole bunch of different stuff. But one of the things that made this really easy in Boulder and makes it harder in some other communities is that we were still, and to, the, to this day, still kind of reeling from the 2013 floods, a, a fairly devastating event in our community that transcended the boundaries of the city, of course. But people want to talk about the flood. I mean, you know, it was really about storytelling at the beginning and kind of then teasing out what are some of the resilience things. That's not that disaster recovery. It's, you know, community resilience. And so how do you tease those out? You know, and again, like this is a this is a brand new field of practice. We were all learning together, and so it was uh, kind of an exciting time to just open the door, pick up the phone, whatever, get online, and listen to what people were saying. And, and being a first wave city in in hundred RCs, I mean, you're you're relatively at the forefront of any city, any local government creating these sort of strategies. Um, what was it that you were specifically tasked with? You know, day one. Uh, of being hired here in, in the city of Boulder. That's a great, so, you know, in many ways, we have been sort of running at the forefront, even beyond the vision of the 100 Resilient Cities, like mothership, right? Um, and again, kind of co-creating across the network. And task one, one and only task of this job uh, was to create a strategy. Full stop. No detail, no, you know, beyond that, you know, some just general process elements. But just go create a, a city strategy. Nobody had produced one before, so here we are. 18 months later, we have, I, I, you know, a strategy that I think is really uh, creative and actionable, and and it's really a direct result of this community's priorities and conversations. You started in a place where there was hundreds of ideas, right, on how to tackle every single project and policy and different aspect of what quote unquote could be considered resiliency by everyone in the community. How did you narrow it down, and, and how did you get to a place now where you have an actionable actionable plan? Yeah, you know, so there are hundreds of ideas, and those aren't all going away. Certainly, we tried to create some strategic areas and actions that, that blend things together. Um, and I think we've been largely successful at that. But one thing that I, I talk about a lot is that, you know, we're not, you know, creating a spaceship of resilience. I mean, we, we know how to do this. This is just good governance, and it's good... Um, you know, it's, it's, it's changing our perspective on the future and on risk. And so, 
you know, these themes pop up pretty quickly. I mean, you, you'd have to be, I mean, really transported from the other side of the planet not to recognize at least two or three of the chief resilience challenges we have in Boulder. So, you know, you start from that point, it's really getting to the designing the interventions themselves, the actions that people are going to do where it becomes much more complicated. And so for us, from the outset, but, but particularly in the implementation phase, it's really about partnerships, leveraging resources, um, and, and actually kind of having some fun, right? So you know, there has to be a fun component to keep people involved for the most part. Now, whether we're successful, I think, I mean, you know, anybody can judge me on that one, but, but we're trying, we're trying some new stuff, right? We're trying to keep it new because if we were doing it, it before, mm-hmm. like that's not resilient. I mean, we were trying to do something different. Give us a, give, give everyone out there uh, just a quick, uh, you know, 10, 10, 15 second overview of kind of the sections of the Boulder specific resiliency strategy. The actionable areas. Yeah, so we have we have three strategic areas, and then within those areas, we have about fifteen different actions, and then three frontiers. And and you know you can go to resilientboulder.org and and download the strategy and read those all in detail. But one of the things that I think was really novel about our strategy was that rather than having a grand new vision, you know, that was never really going to be achievable we were much more practical about what are we already doing and kind of grafting on some new things and trying to do stuff that we're already doing but a little bit better. You know, so process improvements, community engagement being primary among them in some respects. Um, But what really made ours special beyond the 15 actions that have kind of a three-year implementation horizon were our frontier areas. These are areas that are really at the forefront of resilience thinking. There's no roadmaps to emulate. Nobody's got a handle on them. And so that's where we're devoting a lot of time and kind of mental energy and community engagement. Yeah, absolutely. Were there any unique approaches your team used during the initial community engagement? Yeah, I mean, unique approaches is, is you know, it's not unique in, in some respects, but uh, oftentimes there is the kind of the thrill of something new, right? Mm-hmm. So we're part of this really big, cool, uh, exciting network. I mean, I think it's cool, but this big, exciting network. And, and it's, it's helped us catalyze conversations we might not otherwise have been able to have. We have a- access to expertise and, and um, you know, some resources. And so that, that helps bring people to the table. It's keeping them there. <laughs> That's a little bit harder. And I think, you know, you get sometimes one shot at this stuff, right? Somebody who, who's you know, got their perspective. They need to see the value um, in coming back to the table. And so we work really, really hard at making sure the right people are at the table before we set the meetings up, making sure that we understand where we want to be going with these initiatives generally, and, and being really open to understanding what their issues and priorities are individually, and then how we collectively come to an understanding of the problem, uh, understanding of the vision, where we want to go, and, and how we might partner and innovate together. How did you work across the organization to kind of get key stakeholders internally involved in the community, community engagement around your specific strategy? Yeah, well, I mean, this is another area where we were really um, fortunate in some, you know, kind of complex ways to, to have just had a disaster, right? So it was very much in the organization's consciousness. We knew we were going to have to do things differently. Some people were still working in the recovery mode. So there was a, a fairly easy uh, ask of people initially to get uh, diverse stakeholders to the table. And again, it's really been about keeping them there, right? Trans- transitioning from a disaster mindset into that 
social and economic space, thinking about housing affordability and its effect on, on community resilience. That's been much more difficult. But now that we have all of these stakeholders at the table and we have somebody from housing who can articulate that and they have the credibility that I might not otherwise have, it's become a lot easier. Now, it took us a long time to get there, right? Getting that shared understanding, the shared language. Um, you, you, I really can't understate how important it was to actually put a strategy out, right? Just getting to the point, taking the leap, putting it on paper, and now people have something to respond to. Like, you can disagree, and that's okay. You can modify, and that's okay. But it's something that people can respond to. It was very, very difficult when, you know, this was a very abstract project and an abstract concept. And you developed the strategy over a couple of years, is that correct? We took about 18 months. Yeah. Um, we did uh, probably about 15 or 16 of those months were really about information gathering, conversations, and then, you know, it's one of those things where you can take a long time to pass a strategy or a plan through uh, a city organization, and, and Boulder's no stranger to that. And we essentially just pulled the trigger and put it down on paper and, um, you know, then we had a whole nother round of communication with our boards and commissions, with the community about, well, what did we actually produce? And, you know, the, the, the feedback was almost uniformly positive. Now, we did make a couple of changes before its formal um, adoption by council, but, uh, you know, I think we did we almost hit a home run on it. It was kind of surprising in some respects. I, I'm, I'm interested, and I think everyone out there would be interested in hearing a little bit about, you know, in hindsight, what would you have done differently over those 18 months? Is there anything in particular that you could say, uh, I wish I would have started this sooner or, you know, I wish I would have done more of X, Y, or Z? Yeah, I mean, there's always there, there's always yeah. those, those regrets. And, you know, we were, uh, again, sort of resource challenged from the outset and also really challenged by not kind of knowing what the end point was going to look like, right? That nobody had done this before. But, you know, looking back on it, you know, we, we made a very explicit... Uh, effort to reach out to our youth community, which was hugely successful and really drove a lot of our thinking in some of the interventions and actions that we proposed. Where we did not do as well, and I would do differently, is you know we we didn't really reach out to our, our Latino community um, in the way that I would like to have. Right, this is one of the voices that we are consistently underrepresenting in our in our decision making. So. There's another initiative now. There's some there's some work going on now in trying to understand you know whether we we hit their needs in our strategy. But but that's something I would I would have done differently. And then there's a couple other you know we didn't make any really explicit outreach to um, sort of the elderly community either. And there are a lot of issues in mobility and in affordability and um, healthcare and all sorts of things that might have surfaced that we just really didn't um, crack in the way that I think um, we might do in the future. What was the what was the biggest surprise in that that initial eighteen months? Like, what was the biggest surprise in your interactions with the community and the feedback that you were getting? Yeah, well, you added that nice part at the end there about the surprise from the community. Uh, the biggest surprise for me generally was uh, how little sleep I got. <laughs> but but it was um, you know the biggest surprise was how uh, kind of warm the embrace was that you know, we really embraced the mantle of change and that this was a co-ownership um, and an endeavor we were all in together. And I think some of that was kind of, particularly in, a, in, a, in, a, in a, a political environment in town that was a little combative at that particular moment, this was a, um, uh, just you know, a message that was really embraced. And, and it shouldn't have been a surprise, but it also wasn't intentional. In a, in a, you know, like we weren't being strategic about that. That was just kind of the mindset. 
and and uh, so I was really surprised by how how embraced that was. And there's there's kind of a theme that we talk about a lot with, uh, around uh, engagement fatigue. Now, being that you're in year three and you've switched from gathering input on all these great projects and policies on the front end where you're asking people repeatedly to come in and fill out a survey or participate in an open house, and now you're doing it again through actually delivering the programs, how do you, how do you keep things fresh and interesting uh, so people don't really go down the road of, of not wanting to be involved? Yeah, the fatigue issue is, is a very real one, certainly on, on my end, if not on the community's end, right? You know, that, that you have to um, constantly be asking yourself, well, what's, you know, what, what are we trying to achieve here? And so, you know, one of the things that has been truly beneficial and uh, was, was the, our ability then to access kind of online resources that we didn't have before, right? So um, we have a lot of uh, communication strategies and engagement strategies around each individual initiative, but I mean, to to this organization, one of the things that's been spectacular in terms of our ability to kind of layer communications has been using the Bang the Table platform for our Resilient Together website, and that allows us to have a central place where somebody who might be involved in um, our Emerald Ash Borer mapping project goes there and sort of sees our community preparedness program. And so there's just, we, we, we're constantly layering our communication strategy to drive people to these one or two central places. And, um, and that's, that's been tremendously useful and you know, has taken a lot of the time intensive uh, work out of it while really magnifying and amplifying our impact, I think, in the community. That is a great takeaway for our listeners. Layering communications to bring different stakeholders into the com- broader conversation can be a very powerful way to transition from planning and project development into service delivery. Greg, for you in particular, as you shift toward this you know, more programmatic delivery uh, uh, process, how has your community engagement efforts changed uh, and what has been the biggest impact on your team? Yeah, well, to that last question first, I mean, the biggest change we've had in our communications and engagement and civic ownership around the initiatives is that we actually have initiatives. So we're not talking about this really fluffy, I mean, you know, frankly, like really fluffy resilience thing. And we're talking about, you know, citizen science. And and even beyond that, you know, we're talking about wildlife and how you can help us understand changes in, in migration patterns or you know blooming patterns and those so it's like really discrete sort of things and so people can actually see themselves in that they can actually go do something and that's that was really challenging in the earlier phases is people wanted to know how to be a part of it and so other than sort of yeah you're a part of it now they can actually go do something and so a lot of our actions are really oriented towards going to do and that's a lot of fun. So for me, the big change in the last year, I mean, really actually more the last six months, has been, um, it's just a lot more fun. I mean, yeah. we're out doing stuff, and that's kind of cool. And then, you know, we're, we're seeing some changes, and that's great. The, the, the one sort of surprise in it all, again, it shouldn't have been a surprise, was that, you know, after we released the strategy, we spent about six months kind of shopping it around, you know, just making sure people knew it was out there, hey, what's, what's, you know, does this work for you? And it's diverse enough that I think almost everybody we've talked to has found something in there that they're really excited about. So that's, that's a big win for us. But it takes a long time to acculturate the strategy both in the community and the organization and then, then to sort of like 
implement the initiatives takes a new round of partnership building, a new round of kind of attracting resources. So it's taken us, you know, a good six months to get moving. And now we're really six months in. Yeah, and as a as a quick plug, anyone that hasn't seen the Re- resilienttogether.org site, go out there and check it out. Greg has some great videos produced by Cities of Service uh, about some of the programming that he has going on right now. Um, and again, you know, talking about these specific uh, projects and, and, and things that you're actually implementing here in the community of Boulder, uh, talk a little bit about kind of cultivating the community that's involved in resiliency. So again, the the cross uh, pollination of the different stakeholder groups and, and, and what are you seeing um, as kind of an outcome? Are you seeing people getting involved in Emerald Ashbar that maybe were only interested in uh, the, uh, the be safe neighborhoods? You know, are you are you actually seeing that kind of uh, uh, mixing of, of stakeholder groups? Yeah, you know, that's something that's really hard to track. But we uh, for me, and I mean, maybe, maybe this is you know, this is a little unfair. For me, this is all really porous, right? So these issues and these projects um, that really motivate any one individual or group of community members, for me, is part of a bigger whole. So we use the same kind of, you know, even if we're doing something on uh, rain barrel installation and mobile home parks, we're still going to the same, um, you know, platform, right? We're going back to the Resilient Together platform. And so we're, we're seeing some people expressing interest in a, particularly the community preparedness, rain barrels, and the emerald ash borer that, you know, might not have otherwise known about any one of those projects. So some of the same people keep showing up. And so that challenges us to constantly re- refresh our really more um, active outreach, right? So are we, are we, you know, are we getting to the Hispanic community or Latino community? Are we getting um, that youth voice that we were so uh, impressed with early on, are they participating? And so we're trying to get into that a little bit more and make sure that we're bringing people along, but also continuing to be diverse in, in our programming and communications. For you guys, what, what, what's next for the team here at the City of Boulder? What, what gets you really excited right now? Um, and what do you see being kind of a general theme for the service delivery, engagement, evolution of resiliency kind of globally. Yeah. We have, so this, this, these may not sound exciting. They're really exciting for us, and we're spending a lot of time on them. We have three major new initiatives. They're in the strategy, but they're really now just coming to a point where we're going to be doing some stuff, some really exciting stuff. So two of them are a little bit more internally focused to the organization, so I won't talk as much about those. The one that I'm just really thrilled about is our food system uh, resilience assessment, right? So this is a totally new way of thinking about food security, and it's not about caloric intake or you know food deserts, which get a lot of um, uh, a lot of attention right now. And it's really not even about waste. It's really about understanding our food system's vulnerability to disruption that might be you know halfway around the globe, and and then if that food system is disrupted, how do we localize our production or how do we shorten our waste stream to get more out of the system and be self-contained? And um, and we don't really know how to assess that right now. I mean, we just came back from New York at the Global Summit where uh, the Boulder team ran a living lab trying to understand what New York was thinking about in terms of their food flow, right? And they've done this really fantastic analysis. Um, that shows you where the food comes from, where it gets processed through, and you know these big distribution centers, which are, were like a revelation to me, and then where they disappear into the city. 
where this where his food disappears into the city. And it was just really fascinating. So I think we're going to have some pretty exciting programming around this. We're talking about doing a documentary where we track down our food, really trying to go to the ends of the earth to find out where our food's coming from. Uh, we're going to do uh, hopefully an event with some celebrity local celebrity chefs. We're going to make this about tasting resilience, right? It's going to be totally different. Uh, it's going to be a ton of fun. And, you know, this is a community that really loves local food already. There's a passion for it. There's an industry around here. So we're already tapping into, you know, a community need, but we want to bring those other people along too, right? We're going to be working with the schools. We're going to be working in the, in the mobile home parks to, to make sure that everybody is a part of this conversation and understanding um, how people relate to their food. Greg, I want to say thank you so much for coming down here today and participating in Table Talk. Uh, this is actually the first ever podcast from Bang the Table. We will be doing these very frequently, talking about trends and, and ongoing themes within community engagement. So stay tuned. And Greg, once again, thank you so much. Well, look, it's been my real pleasure. Before we go, can we bang the table? Absolutely. for tuning in to Table Talk. Join us monthly as we continue to explore topics and best practices to assist in community engagement. Check out our other resources at bangthetable.com.